back in this evening, Psalm 23. And uh, this is part 10 in our series, and uh, we're getting into verse 4 tonight, verse 4. And um, so Psalm 23 and verse 4, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. And so we'll get into part 10, Psalm 23 here now. Father in heaven, we thank you, dear Lord, for the wonderful opportunity you've given us to be together tonight. Do thank you so much, uh, Lord, for the time of prayer, uh, for the time of missionary update with Brother Kiss and his family. We do want to come together as a church now and lift them up in prayer. We thank you for the great work that you have given them and you've provided so far. We pray that you continue to keep your hand on them and, and watch over the ministry there. Bless them, dear God, in a mighty and wonderful way. Lord, I do pray for the rest of us here. Uh, Lord, I pray for uh, for our church here at Sarin and Aberamon. I pray for Calvary Baptist Church of Cardiff, Lord. I pray for Horrid Baptist Church in Nancy Moyle. I ask you to be with Brother Preston. Bless him, dear God. And Lord, we pray for a future work, Lord. If you would open up the doors, send us uh, some laborers, send us a man for Tritiga. Uh Lord, we ask of you, Lord, that you would make that clear, uh, clear and present, Father, that, that souls may be saved and and dear God, in all fairness, that those who are believers now will be spared, Father, uh, from falling away. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Bless our short time together here in just a moment. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated, if you will. So, guys, up until this point in our series, we've seen really and truly, if you, if you look at it the way you would in those first three verses, it's, it's been more or less a glowing, positive viewpoint from the sheep is what it's been. Things have worked out so well, and, and all they do where they, where they follow the shepherd and where the shepherd leads them, that, um, that it's, just been, it's really just been a very positive angle uh, coming from the sheep. But from the shepherd's viewpoint now, we are at the halfway point of the psalm. And there's a, a turn of events, if you will, uh, as well as a turn of imagery, okay? Uh, uh, the personal pronouns that we find in verse 4, I and thou, uh, enter into the conversation. And they begin to develop into this most intimate discourse, if you will, of, of deep affection in all fairness. I mean, we go, from the, uh, we go from the lying down in green pastures and the leading beside the still waters and, and not wanting at all and restorative the soul and the paths of righteousness, all for his namesake, to where now we enter into this imagery that is quite different than those. We're speaking of that valley of the shadow of death. And, and, but we see these, again, personal pronouns used uh, to really teach us something, to teach us but there is an aspect of intimacy between the shepherd and the sheep. These long treks into the high country in the summer months render a really and truly glorious views, if you will. Uh, and we've already discussed those at length. But, but during this period of time, there's a deep companionship that, that grows between the shepherd and the sheep. And, and as the sheep begin to move up the, the mountaintop and move up into this high country, they're grazing along as they gradually uh, work in their way behind the receding snow line. So you have to gather together uh, this moving. Because remember, Psalm 23 has taken us through all seasons of the shepherd and the sheep's life, okay? It's taken us through the seasons from the, uh, from the, uh, the springtime and the summertime and into the autumn time and even into uh, the winter days. And so we see that the scenery changes and 
and uh, this companionship grows. And, and now they're getting behind those, uh, you know, the, the snow line begins to recede. And as you approach into autumn, the early snow begins to settle in the highlands, which will cause the flock to withdraw to lower elevations. Finally, toward the end of the year, you see that the flock will be driven home where they will spend the winter months. But during these days, guys, the flock is entirely alone with the shepherd. Now, David, the psalmist who penned this psalm, knew firsthand the type of terrain that the sheep will be led through and led to. So when Samuel was sent to Jesse's home, if you remember, to anoint a king, he goes through all the other brothers at first, but yet it was David who was missing. Uh, David was not uh, at his home. He was away from home because he was up in the highlands tending to his father's flock. They had to send for David to come home so that he could be anointed as king, and to everybody's dismay, in all fairness. But David knew intimately all about the difficulties and the dangers, as well as the delights of tending to those sheets, the trek, the trek through the high country. He was aware of all of those things. So over and over and over, David had taken his flock into this country, but never one time did David take his flock into an area that he did not know. And this is important for us to understand, especially when we begin to look at, look at, uh, at the, uh, the current state from the shepherd's viewpoint. We've seen these first three verses from the sheep's viewpoint. Now we're looking at from the shepherd's viewpoint, okay? The shepherd would always go ahead and look over the terrain, searching for rock slides, poisonous plants, ravines, known locations for predators, and even climactic issues that would occur, which would uh, sense harm the sheep. Nothing would take the shepherd by surprise, okay? He's fully prepared to safeguard the flock and attend to them under every single circumstance. So, beloved, within the Christian ranks, we often hear people stating that they, they want to move to that higher ground. Matter of fact, we, we sing a hymn, one of my favorites, higher ground, lift me up to higher ground. And I understand that, guys. But I hear it often with people that they want to, they want to be lifted up as a Christian. Their Christian life, they want it to, to be on that higher ground. And we speak about these mountaintop experiences as Christians. And you listen to those who claim that, that they're living on mountaintop experiences 24-7. Now, beloved, can I say this to you very clearly tonight? That is not reality. That is neither the Christian life nor the reality that the Bible teaches us of the sheep or the Christian in the world that we live in today. Beloved, it is not true. One of the greatest detriments within our society today is when so-called Christians speak to these experiences as if they're living this moment continually. That they're always up on the highlands. They're always up on the mountaintop experience. And everything is just perky keen. And just, I mean, it's just rainbows and, and unicorns and sparkles and, and candy floss and all of these things in their life. Guys, the Christian life is made up of different types of terrains. But there isn't a ski lift to the top of the mountaintop experiences. You're not going to get on a ski lift and, and, and bypass the valley and bypass the rugged terrains and bypass the rocks and bypass the pricks that are in the lanes. You're not going to bypass those things. I mean, guys, listen. In order to love the glory days, you must go through the valley. In order to enjoy the mountaintops experiences, you're going to have to go to the valley to get there. The sides of every single mountain is made up of scarred terrain, deep ravines, and gulches. The best route to the mountaintop will always be by way of the valley. 
So throughout the darkened days, there are dangers within the valleys. And many times behind every twist and every turn, there's something that may keep the, keep the, uh, or may take the sheep uh, to surprise or off guard, but never the shepherd. That's why we read here in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay? He says, I will fear to leave. We'll cover that later on next week. It never says, it never says, uh, I die there. It never says, yea, though I die in the valley of the shadow of darkness. It doesn't say, yea, though I, I stop in the valley of the shadow of darkness. It never, say, it never says that. It doesn't even say, yea, though I got to the valley of the shadow of darkness, but I turned around and ran away. It says, I walk through. What does that tell us as believers tonight? What does it tell us as Christians? It says, yea, though I walk through. It tells us, that in order for you to get to the mountaintop, you are going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of darkness, not just one time, but multiple times in your Christian life. It's what makes the mountaintop so, so wonderful. Why am I soul, man? If you lived up on the mountaintop and, and you're just, you know, high on Zoloft or some type of drug, synthetic drug, hey man, I, I don't, can't come up with an illustration right now. If that's you, Number one, it's not reality, it's synthetic. Number two, you're never going to grow, amen. I mean, why can we walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness in our world today? Well, because the Lord Jesus Christ tells us what? He says, lo, I am with you six months out of the year. That's not what he says. I'm with you always, Matthew 28, 20. Hey, I'm with you always. That means when you're shouting an apple on a mountaintop experience, the Lord Jesus Christ is there. That means when you're having a great day, wonderful day, bad day, when you're in the darkest of the trench, in the darkest gulch, the darkest ravine, the most scarred terrain, and within that dark valley, and you don't know where to turn or where to go, it means that shepherd is still there leading you through the valley of the shadow of darkness. So what does that tell us as believers tonight? What does it tell us as sheep in the fold of our God, our good shepherd? Well, number one, going through the valley of the shadow of darkness, we can have peace. That may sound as oxymoronic as, it, as you can imagine. We can have peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, neither let it be afraid. Why does the Lord Jesus Christ make such a strong correlation that he is leaving us his peace and it's not like the peace the world gives. Do you know what the world, the kind of peace the world gives you? The world gives you pseudo-peace, false peace, fake peace, synthetic peace that will only lull you to sleep, preparing you to be attacked by the predator. That's what the world will give you. But we can have peace in this life. I, you know, I, I know preachers, and I've, I've sat under them, and I've, I've loved them and still, still love them. But I've heard men get up in the pulpits, and they are, bent so, they are so bent toward the idea that if your life is not utterly miserable, that if you're not living in darkest days, if you're not going through tribulations and trials, and, and you're not going through all these troubles, if, if you're not having heartache after heartache after heartache after heartache and headaches and all this and that, then you're not spiritual. And beloved, I don't believe that. I, don't, I know that we're appointed unto trials and tribulations. Paul said that. We are appointed unto them. That's the valley of the shadow of darkness. That's the troublous times of which our good shepherd is with us how many days? Always. Amen. 
So if that be the case tonight, can't we agree this evening that we can have peace even in the midst of problematic times? There can still be a peace that, what, passeth all understanding, which I'm ahead of myself on that verse. We'll get to that in just a moment. Hey, guys, listen, that we can have those things in our Christian life because we're following the good and great shepherd, the same one who leadeth beside still waters, the same one that prepares the green pastures, the same one who is, who is our shepherd, therefore we shall not want, the same one who restored our soul is taken us through the valley of the shadow of darkness for a reason. Why? To get us over to that mountain. But there's a reason why we're going through the valley first. And you can have peace, guys, in that valley. Romans chapter 2 and verse 10 says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. I, I, I forgot to, to write the number down. Uh, but the word peace, not only is it a byproduct of Christianity, a byproduct of the Holy Spirit, Not only is it a fruit of the Spirit, but the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit by inspiration gave these men to write this word down, peace after peace after peace. It's in the Bible all throughout there. But then we get this idea that if life is not just miserable, and if we don't just uh, lay down inside the middle of the valley, and this is where I live in the middle of the dark valley and in the darkened days, that we're not spiritual. And then we take the flip side of the coin with the kooky people. If we're not on a mountaintop experience all the time, then we're not spiritual. My soul, it's never meant to be both, uh, either one of them all the time. It's going to be both, and that's called the Christian life. But you can still have peace. Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, 6 says, For the carnally minded is, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean, I'll give you a free verse there. 1 Corinthians, what is it? 1 Corinthians 2, 14. For the natural man receiveth not the things that are the Spirit of God, neither can they know them, for they... The spiritual things, the things of God, are spiritually discerned. So where does the peace come in your Christian walk today, even in the midst of the valley? It comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from discerning the Word of God. It comes from taking your application in the world and being directed by our shepherd today. It doesn't come from the natural man. It doesn't come from your abilities, your education. It doesn't come from those things. To be carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace. Paul said in Philippians 4, 7, says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what that's telling us, guys, tonight? That's telling us that even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of being in the valley of the shadow of death, the peace that passeth all understanding is only discernible through the Spirit of God. And we know, hey, it passes all understanding. Guess whose understanding that includes? Mine and yours. We may not understand how there can be peace in the midst of the dark valley times. We may not understand how there can be peace in our life. We, we know the shepherd's leading us. We know he's with us always. We may not even fin, uh, feel him or sense his, his being. As a matter of fact, things may get so dark in your life that you can't sense the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't feel his direction, you don't even know where he is. But in that valley, in that moment, your faith must kick in. Your trust and your dependence in him who shall never leave thee nor forsake thee, whether you're on the mountain, on the way up, on the way down, or in the midst of that valley, to keep moving forward. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not stop, not sleep, not stay, not die, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. That's the peace that God gives us. Mankind cannot give you that peace. 
Human beings cannot give you that peace. Finance cannot give you that peace. Education cannot give you that peace. But only the only one who will never leave thee nor forsake thee. During the treks of the valley, guys, of the shadow of death, the good shepherd gives us this peace. For it's he who is guiding us and leading us, even in the darkest days we will ever know. The dis- disappointments, the dissatisfactions, the depression involved in the race can be a road to the higher ground, to the mountaintop experience that we come to love and, and enjoy. But you'll have to enjoy them only because of what you went through in getting there. One of the greatest disappointments, which I'm sure we've all experienced, is after a great day, maybe a blessed, wonderful two services, if you will, or three services or whatever, great church service on a Sunday morning, and all of a sudden you react or you allow something to just move in and rob you of the joy that God gave you that day. Rob you of the mountaintop experience. Kick you and drag you back down inside that valley. Very disappointing. That doesn't come from the Lord. But the peace in the midst of those situations can and should. So what are we to do, guys? What are we to do in the midst of the valley? First, I want you to remember who we are following, not what has happened. I want you to remember who we are following, and therefore we must press In verse 4, the Bible tells us, yea, though I walk. We've already discovered this. And no matter how slow or how fast, walking is still moving. It is forward locomotion. And we're all too familiar with the verse on the screen, Philippians chapter 3, verse verse 14, where it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, now we understand that. Now the way he was able, here's the key that I want you to lock in today. We want to go through the valley knowing that our shepherd is leading us, but we have to keep moving. We have to press toward, right? <clears throat> the way Paul was able to press toward the mark was the one thing he did by forgetting those things which were behind. That's the only way. Now, I want you to think back when you were a child, and maybe you were walking uh, from a dark room or walking outside and it was dark. I'll tell you this. For me, we had this basement in Alabama that uh, dad had a finished basement down there. It was half car garage, half garage, a two-car garage. My mom's uh, washroom was down there. And then he had finished the other half of this basement. He had red and black carpet, pool table down there, fireplace, really nice little place uh, that he had. I kept a big box of toys down there, and I'd go down and I'd play with them. There's camelback crickets down there, too, which I'm pretty well convinced and why I'm, uh, I have arachnophobia today was because of those camelback crickets. They were nasty old-looking things. But nonetheless, I can remember switching the light out and going up the stairs. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this or not, but when you go from a dark room, especially as a little child, and you begin to uh, get about halfway up the stairs or halfway to your location, and, and you start thinking, what if something's behind me? And as a little child, especially with one with a quite vivid imagination, you're waiting for that hand to come around the steps and grab your ankle, you know. And then all of a sudden, you get halfway up the steps, and you, you feel that tingle up your spine. And then you turn, and you look, and you're looking at darkness. And then all of a sudden, now your mind wonders because, oh, no, what's in front of me? Because now I'm not looking there. And you're going back and forth, and fear sets in. Fear sets in. And the reason fear has sat in is because you quit moving, you quit pressing. You're looking back what's behind you rather than what is in front of you. You simply took your eyes off the direction that you were supposed to be moving, which is forward toward the prize of the high calling of God. And believe it or not, guys, that's a, a child's illustration of what fear sets into the unknown. But we do it all the time as adults. We get a little shaken. 
we get in the midst of that darkness and we can't really see where we're supposed to be going, but we are supposed to be moving nonetheless. And we start looking back and questioning what we've done or where we're going or where we are. And we're, letting up, we're allowing fear to take us over. And we're not trusting the shepherd who's leading us through the darkened day. So, beloved, when fear sets in in the darkened valley, we need to remember who is leading us, the good and the great shepherd. The one whom thus far has led us to the green pastures beside the still waters, the one who hasn't forgotten us, nor the one who has forsaken us, we just need to follow him. This is the peace that is in the midst of the press. Thirdly, guys, within this valley, and this is something that is so important. I mentioned earlier, on a mountaintop, as fun as it is, no growth occurs. It's enjoyable, it's exciting, you can shout, you can have a good time, high five, all this stuff. But in that valley, guys, there are provisions. In valleys, there are deep-rooted streams where the best water supply is found within the land. Not only water, but by way of the valley, generally you find the richest food and the best forage to be found along the route. And naturally, these grassy glades are found along steep-walled canyons in the gulches of the valley. And beloved, the shepherd knows this. This is why he takes you through it. This is why he takes you and I through the valley of the shadow of, of death, because it's within the valley, guys, where we grow stronger. There is danger, yes. Within the valley, there's danger of sudden freezing storms, which uh, lead to the risk of pneumonia and other respiratory complications, and, and, and which the sheep, and literally speaking, are greatly susceptible to. But it is in the valley where the sheep grows. It is in the valley where their bodily, body is strengthened, where their immune system is increased. You know, no one grows on the mountain. As a matter of fact, nothing grows on top of the mountain. During our celebrations, during our excitement, during our rejoicing, all the growth ceases. We're just celebrating now. Even in literal mountains, as a matter of fact, the, what, in Colorado, the Colorado tree line is around 11,500 feet. And in contrast, the, the, the tree line in the Swiss Alps is around 7,200 feet. So it varies from mountain line to mountain line. This tree line does. But there are certain points in every single mountain where life ceases to grow. The same thing in our spiritual life today. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We know that he is leading us. Our shepherd knows all of this when he leads us through the darkened veil, even in the dark, the dark valley, uh, within, uh, which will become a source of our strength, a place of our courage to be found in God. Discipline is learned in the valley, and discipline, guys, in this world today is needed the most. Do you know why people, people skip church because they're not disciplined? People skip reading their Bible because they're not disciplined. People skip their prayer time because they're not disciplined. People quit diets because they're not disciplined. People don't work out because they're not disciplined. People don't go to work because they're not disciplined. As a matter of fact, if you took the need of people to pay their bills, they wouldn't go to work. They wouldn't be productive at all. They would be, uh, uh, they would be an undisciplined people in everything of their life. Discipline is the one thing, I believe, the greatest thing missing in our society today. That's why so many people are both physically and spiritually sick in our world today. Integrity is learned in the valley. Integrity. Willingness to give is learned in the valley. It's the most reassuring and reinforces experiences to the child of God to go through the valley discovering who and what you are as we look back to the source of our strength and our courage and we look toward the very one who is leading us 
through the darkest days of our life, trusting and having our faith built in him so that our discipline will grow, our integrity will increase, and our life will come glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads this evening? Father, we do thank you for the evening you've given us, the time again of fellowship prior and the time of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word that you've allowed us to have tonight. Do pray that you would lead God and direct us into the right way. Lord, have uh, mercy upon our life. Give us the direction that we need to better and best serve you. But Lord, I pray for those who are undisciplined. And Lord, you know who they are. I ask you to prick their heart tonight. Maybe listening to this, dear Lord, at a different time. Maybe watching it right now. I have no idea. But I pray, dear God, that you would touch people's heart, that they would become more disciplined in their service toward you and being pleasing toward you in their life. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the dark days. I thank you for the mountaintop experiences. I thank you for being my good and great shepherd and ask that you continue to provide for us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today, by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what what would stop you right here, right now, for bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you 
will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.